Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. What an exciting Sunday. This is a day that we have been anticipating. This is a day that we've been looking forward to for quite a while, huh, Paul? As he has been preparing, actually, as I was putting some thoughts together for this message today, my mind went back to when we had our offices in Mascuda, and they're off of Harnett Street. And one day, Paul walked into the office. He said, Pastor, he said, can I meet with you? And I said, sure. So we went into the back. Three hours later, we come out of the back. <laughs> if you've ever sat with Paul and have a conversation, you know exactly what I'm talking about. No, I'm just picking on you. Three hours, it was, quite a while later. I mean, two hours later, two hours later, we came out. In that conversation, he was sharing with me what God was doing on his heart and in his life. And he was asking, do you think it's possible that God could be calling me into the ministry? And he was concerned a little about his age and later in life. And I said, Paul, yes, it's possible. I said, as a matter of fact, God has been preparing you from this day your entire life. And I certainly believe that. And the men on the ship that I know are very instrumental to you when you were out at sea, those three individuals that God used as a witness to you, that was part of the preparation for this day. So we are honored today to be able to assemble together and carry out, as I said in my prayer, one of the, one of the grandest, greatest legacies in the entire church. Since the birth of the church, this has been taking place. And I think it's awesome. I think it's amazing that, that we today at Victory Church in O'Fallon, Illinois, on June the 13th, 2010, get to carry out a portion of what we see take place in Scripture where from the birth of the church... Men of God have been laying hands on the God-called men and sending them out into the ministry. And we've had the privilege of doing that several times here at Victory, and I thank God for that. In my own personal ministry, back in North Carolina and here as well, there's a total of about 10 men that I've been able to lay hands on and send out into the ministry. I think that's awesome. It's amazing to see what's taking place. Today we carry out that legacy. That legacy is found in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 2. I want to encourage you to go ahead and take out your sermon notes, if you will, please, and you can follow along with me this morning. It should have been in your worship folder, in your bulletin. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 2, Paul was writing to his young preacher boy in the faith, Timothy, and he said, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What Paul was saying is, Timothy, it doesn't stop with you. I want you to take what I've taught you and pass it along to other men and teach them so they in turn can pass it along to other men and teach them. And the legacy continues. From the Apostle Paul giving his charge to Timothy to now in 2010, June the 13th, me giving that charge to Brother Paul. I think it's awesome. To be able to be involved in what God is doing. You know, so often in our own personal lives, we look around and we pray and we say, God bless what I'm doing. Where we should be saying, God, what are you doing? And whatever you're doing, I want to be a part of it. Well, God's working at Victory Church. And you may be on the sidelines and you may be out there looking in, but I'm here to tell you God's at work. Amen? He's at work in the hearts and the lives of individuals and I want to encourage you to come on in and, and get involved on, in, in what God is doing because God is blessing. I don't know about you, but a lot of times the old devil can blind our eyes to that. 
Can he not? But I'm here to declare today to you that God is moving and God is blessing and God is working in the life of Victory Church. So today we're going to carry out what God has been doing for over 2,000 years in the life of the church where he's calling men to preach the gospel and he's calling men to pastor his church. It's a tradition that we seek to carry out this morning. And it's a tradition that we never want to get away from. This tradition of laying hands on God's men. Brother Paul's already came and shared with you this morning the scripture reading, which will be my text, along with some other scripture this morning. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 1 through 7, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open up there. I will also be over in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. But follow along with me in the scripture this morning. And today, this morning, briefly, as briefly as I can. Now, when I say briefly, you know that really doesn't mean anything. But, but it kind of sets the stage and it gets you engaged initially. And hopefully I can keep you. But I want to try to share with you two areas in the pastor's life that God addresses in Scripture. I want to share with you about the call of the pastor, and then I want to share with you about the character of the pastor. Now, as I am preaching about and to a pastor that we are ordaining today, I don't want you as a congregation to check out of this message, because there is so much that you can draw from this as well. Amen? And you can apply it to your life, and especially more so when we get to the area of character. But let's look first of all how God addresses the pastor's call. In verse number one, it says, This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. The first thing I want you to see about the pastor's call is that this is a hand-picked man. This is a man that God picked. This is a man that God chose. In the scripture, in verse number one, it says, If anyone aspires to be an overseer, that word aspires means to reach, to stretch out, to have this passion within to, to, that you can't do anything else but reach out after that call. Well, that's exactly what took place in Paul's life. Two years ago? Or more? Two and a half years ago or so? When he came in my office, it was evident that God was calling this man into the, into the ministry. The call that God places on a man, I want you to understand, is a hand-picked call. I want you at Victory Church to understand and know I did not call Paul into the ministry. I did not place him. I did not go up to Paul like I may come up to some of you sometime. Like my wife went up to Justin this week and said, Justin, I want you to sing on the praise team. Right? I did not do that with Paul. I didn't go up to Paul and say, Paul, I think you would make a great assistant pastor. Why don't you prepare for that and come into the ministry? I would never do that because the call of that, that a man has is of God. It's a hand-picked man that God has chosen. And we see that all through Scripture. There's a couple references that I gave you in your notes, but you'll see it about Amos. Now, this is I can relate a whole lot with Amos because Amos was just a country boy. Amos was just a farmer. And you've got to understand, I'm just an old country boy, and I'm from western North Carolina, the mountains of North Carolina. I can relate a little bit with Amos. In Amos chapter 7, Amos answered, and he said, I was not a prophet. I was not even the son of a prophet. Rather, I was a herdsman, and I took care of sycamore figs. But the Lord took me from following the flock and said to me, Go, go prophesy to my people, people Israel. I want you to see that Amos was a hand-picked man. It's not what he chose to do. God came to him. He was tending the flock. He was tilling the land. He was just minding his own business out in the countryside. And God said, Amos, I've got a job for you. He was a hand-picked man. Another example is Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 through 5. says, the word of the Lord came to me and I chose you before I formed you in the womb. God chose Jeremiah before he was ever born, which, by the way, is a tremendous verse in why we should all stand for the sanctity of life. Amen? God has a plan for every child that's ever been born. I don't care how the child was conceived. He has a plan for that child. It's a miracle 
that a child could even be born. That's not my message today. Just thought I'd plug that in as I pass. But Jeremiah was a hand-picked man. Many other references in Scripture. John the Baptist is another. Many more all through Scripture. You can see that these men, this call, is a hand-picked man. Secondly, I want you to see that the office of a pastor is a highly privileged man. What I mean by that, look what he says. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. Being an overseer, being a pastor, is an excellent undertaking. I mean, it's marvelous. And why is it so marvelous? I believe it's marvelous because of what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Look in your notes or in, in your Bibles. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through 5. It says, Before God in Christ Jesus who is going to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, I solemnly charge you, proclaim the message, persist in it whether convenient or not, rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience and teaching, for the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will accumulate teachers for themselves, because they have an itch to hear something new. They will turn away from hearing the truth, and will turn aside to myths, but as for you, keep a clear head about everything." Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. In this passage of Scripture, we can see the, that there's a wonderful privilege that a pastor has, that a man of God has. I mean, look what all he gets to do. And some of you may look at that and say, oh, I don't even think I want to do that. But do you guys, do you realize that when God calls a man into the ministry, that is the highest calling in the entire land. You understand that? A lot of times we would think, boy, being the president of the United States, the most powerful nation in the entire world, that would have to be the highest calling in the whole land. No, 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 no. May you be reminded that the president of the United States is nothing but a pawn in our master's hand that he is using to carry out his divine will and plan since the beginning. Amen? The call of God on a man to be a pastor is the highest calling in the entire world. It's a wonderful privilege to preach the soul-saving message and gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, along with all the other doctrines of the faith that we get to study and we get to preach and teach. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, Paul tells us a little bit about the conduct of this office. Paul, I'd like for you to pay attention to this as we go through this because this talks a little bit about your conduct and my conduct and the conduct of every man of God. Daniel, your conduct. All of us that have been called into the ministry, this talks a little bit about our conduct. First of all, I want you to see that this office requires preparation. It requires preparation. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, it says, Proclaim the message. You see, the man of God must be a studious man. He must be a man that sits down and breaks down and studies the Word of God. Otherwise, you really have no message to deliver. I'm amazed today at the preaching that takes place across the pulpits of America and very little Bible is being inserted in the messages of America. I mean, just pick up some best-selling books in the Christian bookstore. Listen to some of the most popular preachers across America. And one thing that I find is there is, they're almost anemic when it comes to the Word of God being in those messages. Listen, guys, we have nothing to proclaim, Paul, unless we're proclaiming what thus saith the Lord. That's what he's called us to proclaim. So there must be some preparation. We must study. In 2 Timothy 2.15 it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If we are to be the men of God, then we must study the book and give practical application. And let me say this, Paul. Don't make the word of God boring. You know, I am amazed... You go off to some Bible colleges and you get out into um, some seminary training and teaching. I am amazed, even some Christian schools, I am amazed at the men that can stand up and open up the Word of God and make it the most boring thing in the entire world. God help us. The Word of God's not boring. Amen? 
It's not outdated. A lot of people think, well, that's just an old, archaic book. It's outdated. No, it isn't. The Word of God is more up-to-date than tomorrow morning's newspaper. Amen. Amen? Let's don't make it a boring book. And let's try not to deliver boring messages. Amen? And that takes preparation. It also takes passion. The office requires passion. In verse number 2, proclaim the message, persist in it, whether convenient or not. It takes passion, Paul, to fulfill this calling in this ministry. You see, the Scripture says, proclaim the message and persist in it, whether it's convenient or not. Now, I've come in a lot of those not convenient times to declare what thus saith the Lord. That's not easy. And matter of fact, it's almost very tempting to lay it down and walk away. And, but we can't do that. We must be passionate about the Word of God. We must love the people of God so much that we have to tell them the truth of God's Word. That's a good spot for an amen. This office also requires patience. Verses 3 through 4, and I won't read the entire thing. But it says that we are to encourage with great patience. I'm amazed at how many times the Word of God can fall on deaf ears. I'm amazed at how many times God shares with you a portion, gives you some insight to a portion of Scripture. You study out the Scriptures. You stand and you proclaim what, the, what thus saith the Lord, what the Scriptures say, and how it falls on deaf ears. It almost reminds me of the guy that was sitting in church one day. And it was the wintertime. And uh, it was just a small amount of people there. It was kind of cold outside. And and the pastor stood up and he said, listen, we are not going to cancel services. I don't care what the weather is. If you can get here, get here. And he rears back and he preached. And there's about 10 or 15 people there. And, and they leave. And, and going out the door, the man said, boy, preacher, if they'd have been here today, you would have got them. You would have got them. So the next Sunday rolls around and there's probably four or five pe pre people there. And he's one of them. And the preacher preaches and they go out the door again. And that same man said, preacher, if they'd have been here today, you sure would have tore them up. You'd have got them. And he walks on out the door. The preacher was a little bit perplexed by that. The next Sunday came a blizzard. The only guy that showed up was the guy that had been telling him, boy, if they'd have been here today, you'd have got him. Only guy at church. Preacher's thinking, boy, I'll get him today. He's the only one here. He sits down and he preaches that message intently to that one man. Once again, going out the back door, he says, preacher, if they'd have been here today, you'd have got him. How sad. How sad it is that Many times for those sitting in the pews in churches across America, we have what's called this shovel theology or pitchfork theology. You know what that is. Whenever God convicts your heart, whenever God throws something in your lap, we receive it and it's sitting in our lap and we pick it up with a pitchfork and we say, oh, that's good for sister so-and-so. Man, I hope she got that today. Or it falls in our lap, say, boy, that was good for brother so-and-so. I hope he got that. I hope he's listening. Matter of fact, we'll do our little self-righteous look while we're sitting in the pews. We're in, we got our Bibles and we're engaged and we'll look. Are you paying attention? You know? Isn't it amazing? And I know some of you do that. I've seen you cut the eyes. You see, I pay attention to your faces while I'm preaching. It's amazing how we'll... I wonder if they got that. And I know what you're thinking. I wonder, I wonder if they're listening. And then they may be preoccupied with a child or something. And we're like, oh, going it, they missed it. Amen, preacher, say that one more time. Isn't it amazing how we do that from time to time? I guess the point I'm trying to make is, Paul, it's going to require patience as we proclaim what thus saith the Lord over and over and over again. The office also requires persistence in verse number 5. It says, but as for you, keep a clear head about everything. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. You see, when I, when I went into ministry, I didn't have anybody tell me it's going to be hard. They thought it's the greatest thing and everything was rosy. And man, I came to my first battle. I'm like, what in the world just happened? The wheels just fell off this wagon. What in the world happened? There's going to be some hard times, Paul. I mean, there will be some hardships that you and your family, Mayron, Lacey, Lindy, sorry, that you guys together are going to face as a family. You will, if you haven't already, begin living in a glass house. People will now start looking in at you and your family to see how you act, how you react, what you're doing, and they'll have these expectations of you. And it's going to be hard. 
but you be persistent. Okay? No place to give up. No place to quit. Matter of fact, I'm not going to preach this, but how do you endure in the middle of a battle? I think I've put it in your notes. When the battle is raging, when the hardships come, how do you continue? You do what Moses did. In Hebrews chapter number 11, when he was leading those millions of people, how did he endure? He endured as seeing him who was invisible. Amen? We keep our eyes on Jesus. That's how we remain persistent. Let's go quickly over and see how God addresses the pastor's character. Back in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 2 through 7. I don't know about you, but I am struck today by the character gap in ministers and pulpits all across America today. It seems like every week in the newspapers or reports and on across the internet and different um, pastors websites and things you can go to to get the news of what's going on across the country I'm amazed at how many pastors today are falling into immorality into sin and eventually completely out of the ministry what's the problem there we may think boy they just weren't educated enough no 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 it has nothing to do with their education matter of fact many of them many of them they believe in the inerrancy of scripture they preach the uniqueness of Jesus Christ. They unpack the doctrines of the Word of God. Has nothing to do with their theology. Has everything to do with their character and who they are as a person. So, real quickly, here's something I want you to understand. And I want you to write this down because this applies to everybody, not just the minister. God is more concerned about who we are than what we do. Understand that. He is far more concerned. That applies to everybody. He's far more concerned about who we are than what we do. And if we will be concerned, Paul and Daniel and pastors and Matt, if we'll be concerned about who we are more so than what we're doing, then that'll help us put the safeguards in place and keep us in ministry. And we won't fall into some type of deep sin that will kick us out of ministry. A lot of times we assume that pastors know what those safeguards are. And I want to I speak, and I want to share with you quickly seven character goals of the pastor. And these are some obvious boundaries that we must put in our life and in our place. If we don't have these boundaries in our life, many times we can fall into sin. And I think a reason why many pastors have fallen is simply because they did not have these boundaries. I don't know if no one ever shared with them what these boundaries were, but there are some boundaries, Brother Paul that you must put in your life. And I want to share those with you. Matter of fact, these are good for all of us. Okay? Boundary number one and character goal number one is courage. You see, you're going to have to have courage. Matter of fact, Peter Kreft said this. He said, courage is the willingness to freely go beyond the call of duty, to make sacrifices, to choose the difficult thing, to take chances. In Proverbs 29, 25, it says, the fear of a man is a snare, but the one who trusts in the Lord is protected. I let that verse sink in. Let's read that again. I think you've got it in your notes, do you not? Let's read this verse together. The fear of man is a snare, but the one who trusts in the Lord is protected. Once again, let's read that. The fear but I just want to read to you what I penned in my notes. As I was unpacking this verse in my mind, because I've come to this place many times in my ministry, and Paul, you'll come to this place many times. And you've got to make a choice of whether you're going to succumb to the fear of man or are you going to trust in the Lord. You will be challenged with that option. Let me read with you what I wrote in my study. When we are challenged on a key point in ministry, it is frequent the case that we begin what is called panic thinking. An avalanche of worst case scenario floods our minds. But if we focus on the threats of man, we may exchange the long-term health of the church for a more expedient short-term course of action that takes the pressure off of you as a man of God. What does it take to live out Proverbs 
to where we do not have the fear of man, but we wholly trust in the Lord, it takes courage. And courage leads to a successful ministry. You will be challenged. Isn't it amazed? You will be challenged. But I want to encourage you to have courage. Trust in the Lord. Character goal number two, jot this one down, sexual purity. It's important. Ministers fell in the area of sexual purity not because they're unaware of the biblical admonitions about sexual immorality, but because they fail to place good boundaries in their life that will prevent them from being in a situation where sexual sins are easily accomplished. So what are some boundaries? Here's a boundary for sexual purity. Number one, never visit in the home of anyone of the opposite sex when they are alone unless it's your mother or your grandmother. That's just a good practice. You can knock on the door. If just the lady shows up, do not go in that house. Do not go in. It may be a purely innocent lady and it's not a slam on the lady. It's more of a slam on the man. Amen? And it kind of, it's a boundary. Don't be in any situation where it's you and a lady of the opposite sex, unless it's your wife, I should have included you, you can visit you, and your mother or your grandmother. Boundary number two, maintain complete purity in all counseling. Once again, even in counseling, you'll have people come up and say, Pastor Paul, I'd like to chat with you. And we're very, you know, we're not looking into having an affair. We're wanting to help someone with their spiritual well-being. But you cannot counsel and pastor someone of the opposite sex one-on-one by yourself in your office. It's a practice of mine. I just don't do it. Okay? Put that safeguard in place. Boundary number three. Guard carefully the media that you allow into your mind. The eye gate and the ear gate, you must put a guard there. And boundary number four. Crude sexual humor and vulgar jokes are unacceptable for the minister. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, set an example for believers in speech. By the way, I'm directing all this to Brother Paul, but this is good for all of us. This is good stuff for all of us to apply to our life. Character goal number three, financial integrity. The way we handle money really indicates how disciplined we are in general. Much like the previous section on sexual purity, I'd like to share with you a few guidelines about financial integrity. Number one, tithe. You know, be an example to the believer. Demonstrate to the church that, hey, God will bless when you tithe and that we're just going to give God the first fruit of our increase. That's financial integrity. Number one, tithe. Number two, pay your bills on time. You know, I'm amazed, and I don't get it so much here because it's just a larger area. But in rural America, back where I was from and the mountains in North Carolina and I would go walk in I'd talk to the vendors and I knew them all by first name the business operator owners and and I'd be amazed they'd say hey does so-and-so go to your church yeah next time you see them tell them come by they haven't paid me yet and I'm like what a witness for a child of God if we don't pay our bills on time amen and especially more so for the minister so pay your bills on time I know that's so practical but boy it's very true Guideline number three, I would encourage you to stay out of serious debt because serious consumer debt may bring you to a place as a minister to where you may compromise. So character goal number three is financial integrity. Character goal number four is, get this one, hard work. And Paul, you are a hard worker. But I want you to know that one of the dangers of ministry is what some have called the tyranny of freedom. You see... We don't have a time clock. There's not a time clock in my office. I don't walk in the office at 715 Lake Point Drive, Suite 109, walk in there and punch a time clock and then punch out. And that tyranny of freedom many times can destroy a man of God. And sadly, many ministers abuse the freedom that they ha- you have. You see, there's going to be times when you're going to have large amounts of unsupervised time. What are you doing with it? I want to challenge you and encourage you to work hard. Our congregation works hard. And they deserve a pastor that works hard. Amen? Amen? So I want to encourage you to work hard. Matter of fact, Proverbs 18.9 says, One who is slack in his work is brother to the one who destroys. 
So work hard. Character goal number five, maturity. Character goal number five is maturity. Maturity means that we take what we do seriously. And we carry ourselves in a manner worthy of our Savior. Just be mature in all areas. Character goal number six is integrity. Integrity as a minister means a, a lot of things. Number one, we're faithful to the Bible that we preach. We, we practice what we, what we preach and what we say. <clears throat> if we're encouraging our people to pray, then we're men of prayer. If we're encouraging our people to give, then we give. If we're encouraging our people to be in church, then we're in church. You know, we're practicing what we're preaching, just being a person of integrity. Character goal number seven is courtesy. Just, just exhibiting some social graces. Just being courteous, being kind. Courteous, being courteous, being courteous means that we, we attempt to avoid rude speech. We strive to develop the social graces that reflects the maturity and the integrity of the man of God. I guess in closing, if there's anything you remember, I want you to remember this. God is more concerned about who we are than what we do. Matter of fact, in the scripture that you read earlier in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, do you realize there are 15 areas that he unpacks in that passage of scripture? Of the 15, <clears throat> this is for all of us. Of the 15, there's only one thing we do. Be able to teach. Teach, preach the Word of God. Be able to do that. The other 14 have to do with who you are as a person. And I'm amazed at how many times that we get so caught up in, in what we do that we forget about who we are. And who we are as a person will eventually determine the outcome of your ministry and how God can use you. So I want to, I want to encourage you. I want to leave you with this thought. Be more concerned about who you are as a person than what you do. Amen? Let's pray. Father, this message has been directed primarily to Brother Paul. But God, it's good for all of us. And I pray, Lord, that we would all take pieces of what we've heard this morning and apply it to our lives. But God, I pray for Paul right now. And Father, I ask you, Lord, that that you would help him to take in some of what was said and help him to be that man, God, that you've called him to be and help him to focus on who he is as an individual more so than what he's doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We come to the ordination ceremony portion of our service this morning. I would like to ask uh, Brother Paul if you'll please come and, and just stand about right there. I'm going to ask the deacons if you'll please right there. I'm going to ask the deacons if you'll please come and just stand facing the congregation right here behind us. <clears throat> Today, it's my privilege and my honor to ordain Brother Paul Boyer into the ministry as a gospel preacher into the ministry as an ordained minister and to place him also victory in as our associate pastor God's called this man to this office for this hour so not only are we ordaining him but we're placing him in ministry he will officially as of today be the associate pastor here at Victory Church. And in my absence, he's the man. He's the man in my, in my presence, amen? But he's the man. And Paul, it's an honor today to bring you in as a Christian brother, to lay hands on you, to ordain you. But I have a few questions that I would like to get an affirmative answer from you all. Number one, do you reaffirm your allegiance to Jesus Christ and His church? Are you fully aware of the responsibilities that are being placed upon you by being ordained and set apart as an ambassador for Jesus Christ? Therefore, with this knowledge, are you ready and willing to assume this responsibility? Do you accept the Bible 
as being the inspired, infallible, inerrant, God-breathed Word of God. Having requested ordination into the gospel ministry by the Free Will Baptist denomination, will you preach and uphold the doctrines and the practices of our denominations which are outlined in the Free Will Baptist treaties? Will you assume the responsibility to preach and to teach God's Word with all love and boldness, to minister to the needs of those to whom you are sent without partiality, and to give of yourself sacrificially and without reserve to the building of the body of Christ? Recognizing the sacred responsibility of your call and aware of your own human weaknesses, will you seek to be directed and empowered by the Holy Spirit in order that you may be a faithful minister of Him who's called you? Amen. Brother Daniel, you need to be up here also, brother. I'm sorry. Those are some of the questions that are pivotal questions when it comes to being ordained. I would now like to read to you your charge. Mayron, will you please come and stand beside Paul at this moment, please? Can we turn the monitor music down a little bit? In our charge to you as a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ, let us first hear what the Word of God says in the charge of the Apostle Paul to his son in the faith, Timothy. He says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. As a minister, Paul, you must never forget that if you've been called of God to preach, you are called to the highest and most noble calling in the world. And you should approach it with such holy awe as to do no violence to the sanctity of your profession. As a minister, you should always feel that the world is your parish, that Victory Church or any other church that you serve is the organized force to work this large field. To do the most effective work, you should be a person of staunch loyalty to the church which is ordaining you and under whose blessings you serve. I give you this charge in the sight of God who guides all things and before Christ Jesus, who before Pilate witnessed a good confession, that you keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. God bless you, brother. God bless you, Mary. What I'd like to do at this time, I can grab these two chairs, actually. Now, we are laying hands on Paul. But I tell you what, I could not do ministry without my wife right here beside me. And I think God knew that. And so, Mayron, I'm going to have you sit here. And Paul, I'm going to have you sit here. And we are going to file by in just a moment and lay hands on Paul and pray over him as part of our ordination ceremony. But, Mayron, I want you to know a lot of the attention today is on Paul. But you're part of the mix. 
But not only has God called Paul, but he knew that you were his helpmate. There's a responsibility and a calling even on your life to stand by, beside, behind, support this man as he carries out the highest calling in the entire earth. And we will certainly be praying for you in that endeavor. At this time, before we actually come by and lay hands, I would like for Paul's dad, Mr. Paul Boyer Sr., to come. And he's got a presentation he wants to make. But then he will be laying hands on and praying a prayer blessing over his son going into the ministry. Would be great. That's all we have to do is believe in this. this time the ordained will come by and we will lay hands on Paul and pray for him please be in a spirit of prayer while we pray for Paul
Amen. Thank you guys for praying. Paul, if you may please stand. On behalf of the Metro East Free Will Baptist Credentials Committee, I present to you this certificate of ordination, which reads, this is to certify that Reverend Paul Boyer, who is a member in good standing of the Victory Free Will Baptist Church of O'Fallon, Illinois, has this day been publicly set apart to the work of the gospel ministry by prayer and the laying on of hands according to the practices of the Free Will Baptist denomination and is hereby authorized to preach and administer its ordinances wherever God and his providence may call from the Metro East Baptist Free Will Baptist Credentials Committee. Also, a gift from Victory Church. We present to you also, Dad, this Bible. This is your handbook. It's what you work out of. It's what you study. It's what you practice. It's what you preach. And so we're honored to present to you this Bible. Congratulations. Amen. I wasn't going to speak, and I'm not sure I can. <laughs> you did fine. Um, I want to thank all of you for being here and supporting me today. Like I said earlier, I could not be here without you. So many of you have been my strongest supporters. You've been my, my cheering section, Rihanna. You pushed me when I needed pushed. You corrected me, Regina, when I needed corrected. But most of all, you've loved me. And I can only thank you and the grace of God to bring me to this point. This is my life, and I promise you, I will live this life for you. Thank you, brother. Thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.